Welcome back to another edition of All Things Traveling with official Chip Clark as we really dig into the step through. And I asked Chip if there's any differences in the men's and the women's game regarding the rule book, what players can do traveling to basketball, that and much more. Special thank you to Chip for taking the time to dig into all these great details. Let's get to the show. The step through seems to be something that a lot of players, and, and you've talked about pivoting, stepping through the pivot foot can come off. Is there any way for us as, as coaches and as players to understand what and what isn't a travel when it comes to the player's ability to step through? Their, so they have established pivot foot, they're stepping through, the pivot foot comes off, and then they take their shot. Can you, you've explained it but I'm specifically talking about finishing situations going to the basket. Perfect. I'm going to explain it in a way where you can, you can translate it to the step through, the spin move, the Euro step, the step back, all of those moves. All right. If you, let's go back to rule 444 um, two. All right. This is ending. This is when you're ending your dribble with one foot on the floor. Let's start with one foot and then we'll go with both, both feet off the floor. Okay. Um, for the purposes of this, because it's a finishing move, most of the time it's going to be by a dribbler. So I'm going to assume that we're talking a dribble to a finish. All right. So um, dribbler is going into the paint or wherever the case may be. And he ends his dribble, which as we know, we addressed earlier, ball comes to rest in one or both hands, or he touches the ball with two hands. All right. Essentially. As soon as they enter the dribble, I should also say this, if they trap the ball against their body, the ball has come to rest. All right. So we didn't address that earlier, but, that would be ending their dribble as well. So if they end their dribble with one foot on the floor, we already talked about what they are allowed to do. Let's talk about now what they're not allowed to do. All right, they are allowed to jump off that foot and land simultaneously on both. What they're not allowed to do, because by rule, which we're gonna talk about in a second, if they end the dribble with one foot on the floor, it will be the pivot foot when the next foot touches in a step. Have your brain go back to the pivot rule. Remember. You can step once or you a pivot is stepping once or more than once with the same foot, right? So stepping creates the pivot, right? So the right foot becomes the pivot. Let's say they end the dribble with the right foot on the floor, okay? As soon as that left foot touches, that right foot is their pivot foot. If that right foot is lifted and returned to the floor, then they have, they have committed a traveling violation. The most common traveling violation you see off this is when they end the dribble with one foot on the floor, they jump off that foot and land, have a staggered landing. That's an easy call for the officials. If you land staggered, you better have shown us that you did not end your dribble. I'm talking about us as officials, right? You better have shown us that you did, you clearly did not end your dribble with one foot on the floor. All right. Because if, if, if you ended your dribble with one foot on the floor and you jump off that foot and land left, right, or even right, left, as soon as that right foot, if, which is your pivot foot, comes back down to the floor before the release of a pass or a try for goal, you've committed a traveling violation. Does that make sense? That makes, that makes sense. Now, All right. let's, let's look at it this way. If I'm in the post and I've caught the basketball with my back to the basket, I've caught it with both feet on the floor. So I can pivot off of either foot right now. Correct. And I pivot. Let's say I pivot off of my right foot. So my left foot is moving and I face the basket. I give a shot fake. 
Now I step again with my left foot. My right foot is, is still the pivot foot. That's the one I've established. I step through with my left foot. My right foot comes off the floor. My left foot is on the ground. I jump up and I take the layup. Travel or not. It's legal. It's, it's legal, legal for the same thing that we, it's the reason, it's legal for the same reason we said earlier in the show, which is you may lift your pivot foot. If you've established it, when coming to a stop and establishing a pivot foot, and this is rule language, when coming to a stop and establishing a pivot foot, that pivot foot may be lifted, but may not be returned to the floor before a release or a pass or a try for goal. So you can step through with that left foot. And it was the same, similar to what I said earlier, when somebody, you know, lifted the same example you gave, when somebody's starting to feel like their pivot foot is sliding and they lift that pivot foot and stand on their non-pivot foot, as long as they release the ball for a pass or a shot before that, that pivot foot returns to the floor, that's a legal play. So let's, let's translate that. That was a great example in the post and does a great job of setting up the other part that I was going to talk about, about the finishing move. I wanted to get the easiest of the violations out of the way because when you end the ball with in the dribble with one foot on the floor and you jump off that foot and land staggered, a staggered landing, you've automatically committed a traveling violation. That is an easy one for the officials to call. If you want to make it harder on the officials, which I'm always, uh, I, I, I don't want my job to be much harder, but I love it when players try to take advantage of, when players know the rule and push it to the limit. All right. So let's say it that way. So if you want to make it tougher on the officials, wait a little bit longer to end that dribble until you have both feet off the floor. Then the possibilities are much more. Um, or if you do end the dribble with one foot on the floor, make sure you have a legal jump stop where you land simultaneously with both feet, okay? Because that is legal. If you jump off one foot, as we mentioned earlier, and land simultaneously on both, that's a legal jump stop, legal play, all right? So you've not committed a traveling violation. So if you injure dribble with one foot on the floor, make sure you do not have a staggered landing or it's a travel. Now, let's assume they did it legally. Let's go through the flow chart. And you know what I might do is when you, re when you release this episode, I might, that might be a good time for me to release something I think I've already shared with you, which is my, um, my traveler or legal flow chart. That's going to go through a lot of these things. I've spent a lot of time working on that and I have rules for references to go along with them that shows what's legal and what's a travel. But let's go ahead and go through this progression. You ended the dribble with one foot on the floor. You jumped off that foot, landed legally simultaneously on both feet. Now, as we mentioned earlier, by rule 444, um, you're allowed to lift one or both feet for a pass or a shot, but neither of them can be returned to the floor. All right? So you can't do a step through in that situation. The step through is off the table if you injure dribble with one foot on the floor. All right? So let's just make that clear. <laughs> if you injure dribble with one foot on the floor, you cannot legally do a step through move. You cannot legally do... You can pro hop, you can cover a lot of ground with, with, with that stop on two feet. But once you've done that, it's got to yep. be pass or shot. Yep, you can't, be a traditional, you can't do a traditional Euro step where you, you um, if you injure dribble with the right foot on the floor and then you do go into the Euro step, left, right, layup, you've committed a traveling violation. Let's go spin move. You injure, let's say this left foot this time, all right? Let's say you you're dribbling in and you want to do a spin move, you're spinning this way, all right, and you're going to injure dribble with your left foot on the floor. And then you turn, right, and you put your right foot down and then your rest of your body spins around and you put your left foot back down on the ground and lay it up, you've committed a traveling violation. The player um, needs to, with, hold on a second. So 
that when you're making that spin, it's essential that you make sure you're, you have one hand on the ball. You're not putting anything underneath, underneath the basketball. Yeah. Right? That was gonna, until that, that was, left foot has left the floor. Right. That is perfect, man. So, so here's, here's, I'm no skills development guy. So y'all take this for what it's worth. All right. I'm not a skills trainer or anything as such. I don't claim to be things that I've seen be effective in this situation, which delays the end of the dribble. In finishing moves, you want your players to delay the end of the dribble as long as possible because that's a better chance they can get that foot lifted off the floor and in their dribble with the, the correct foot on the floor or with both feet off the floor, which is ideal, all right? So delaying the dribble on a finishing move or delaying the end of the dribble on a finishing move is of utmost importance. And you just mentioned a great way to do it. And I saw a video today of a girl that did it extremely well she did a spin move and she kept her hand on top of the ball as she was spinning. All right. Not even to the side. It was just, it was very impressive. All right. But if you keep your hand and let's talk about hand placement because the ball handling portion of finishing moves is of even more importance than the footwork, as I mentioned earlier, because if you end your dribble in the wrong time, you could get called for a traveling violation all the time. So let's talk about this. You can use a directional dribble to set up your finishing move. All right, and let's give that in a scenario of, uh, let's say a step back, all right? Step back's a finishing move too, even though it's not at the, the basket most of the time. Step back, so let's say um, you're moving to your left to take a jump shot out, out of the corner, all right? A corner three, all right? So you're creating space, you're dribbling, you step off your right foot, but your dribble ends with your right foot on the floor. You push off that foot, as we mentioned earlier, and then you have a staggered left-right landing. Remember I said staggered landing, dribble, or when the dribble ended with one foot on the floor, dead giveaway, that's a travel. So let's talk about delaying into that dribble. Do a directional dribble towards the direction that you're trying to go. That's one way where you can, and now correct me if I'm wrong, you're the, you're the guy that knows this, but a directional dribble that's going in the direction that your body is going to be moving can help give you some extra time to end the dribble, all right? So you do a directional and then you have enough time to, or you can keep that dribble hand. All right. After the ball hits the floor the last time and comes up on that last dribble, keep your dribble hand on side on the side of the ball or the top of the ball, but do not let any part of that hand come underneath the ball. All right. If you do that, it's easier for us to identify that the dribble is ended because the ball comes to rest in one or both hands. Likewise, um, let's go ahead and say this because you mentioned it at the start. And sorry if I'm rambling, but you've brought up some really good points. No, this is good um, because you are going back to the one in the – like what you're explaining now goes back to one of those first questions where it's essential that we don't – as coaches, we don't say, oh, two hands on the ball. And that was – it's the lift. It's the gather. It's yeah. the hand underneath. The, the, the hand placement is just as important as the footwork when it comes to a travel or not. So keep going. I just want to emphasize that. No, thank you for emphasizing that. And it, I'm glad we're getting a chance to circle back because when you said something earlier in the show, it made me think to say something else. And now it's actually coming back out. So that's good. Saw a video the other day um, of a player who was practicing the step through move. All right. And they actually, when they, they did perform their last dribble, they still have their left foot on the floor, right? So the ball's coming up from the dribble. And then they kept their hand on the kind of side, underside of the ball. And here's how I know this, because even if the video was blurry, I would still know that 
they ended their dribble. And here's why. Red flags. One of the red flags for officials is if you elevate that ball with one hand, we know you're, we know if your hand is what caused that ball to elevate, then your hand has to be somewhat under the basketball. It has to be coming to rest in your hand. If your hand is responsible for elevating the ball. So if you're trying to rip, if you're trying to you know, dribble and then pull the ball through and you're elevating that ball going into a finishing move, going into your jump stop, and that ball is at your hip when it touches your hand after that last dribble, and then it ends up over your head, grabbing it with two hands at that point, I know that you've ended your dribble because you, eleva- you can't elevate the ball with your hand on top of the ball or the side of the ball when you're pulling it through like that. So when you're pulling that ball through, it had to have come to rest in your hand, um, therefore ending your dribble. And if your left foot was still on the floor when you ended your dribble, and then you do a simultaneous landing, that's good. But once you do a step through, as soon as you step with that first foot, you've committed a traveling violation. Oh, that's right? great stuff. That's great stuff. Ending your dribble, your hand placement, side or top of the ball. So if you can work with your players on side or top of the ball, ending their dribble, it delays it long enough for them to give, give that player an extra, you know, half a second to get that right foot off the floor or to push off that foot. You know, because here's what I wanted to go to right now is – Ending your dribble with both feet off the floor gives you much more possibility, and here's why. If you end the dribble with both feet off the floor and you land on one foot, it will be your pivot foot, as we mentioned earlier, once the – so the first foot to touch when you've ended the dribble with both feet off the floor, right? We can't establish a pivot yet. With the first foot to touch will become the pivot foot when the other foot touches in a step, right? Then you have your normal pivot privileges, all right? If you, end the, if you end your dribble with both feet off the floor and land simultaneously, the sky's the limit, man. You could do much more. You can pivot with that one. You can step through with your left while your right's your pivot foot. Step through with your left. You know, you can create a ton of space for yourself if you end your dribble with both feet off the floor and land simultaneously with both feet. I'm telling you, I've seen it over and over. You've seen it over and over. There's, there's an account on Twitter called Step Through Joe. He posts these, these, you know, plays all the time of step throughs. You've seen people cover 10 feet of space, you know, when they end their dribble with both feet off the floor into a simultaneous landing jump stop. Because you can, you can pivot off that, step through with one foot, lift your pivot foot. And, I mean, you've, you've just – I mean, if you've got a big stride, I mean, you can create 10 feet of space, and it's almost impossible to defend because the defender has no clue where you're going to go and honestly, in their head, they're not looking to see which one was your pivot foot like the ref is. So they, they think that your movement is limited after you come to a jump stop. They don't know, the defender doesn't know that literally you can, you can be facing behind them. They can be on your back and you can literally turn and step through with that left foot and step by them, lift your pivot foot and turn around them and get underneath for a layup. I mean, you know, there's, there's a lot of possibilities when you end the dribble with both feet off the floor but it all starts with your hand placement and when, when and how you end your dribble. I wish more coaches would focus on the ball handling aspect, and I can't reiterate it enough, focus on the ball handling aspect of finishing moves by a dribbler. If you focus on that, I'm telling you, there's, there's some things that are going to make it easier for yourself. A lot, of calls that are a lot of calls that have been called travels in your games. A lot of, a lot of coaches love to say, well, I'm not doing it because our refs, our refs call it one way. You know, they, they always call that a travel, so I'm never going to do it. 
Well, maybe they've been calling that a travel because your player ended their dribble with one foot off the floor or with one foot on the floor, excuse me. And if you try to do a step, step through after that, it's illegal every time. It's, it's, it's a traveling violation. If you injure dribble with one foot on the floor, I can't stress this enough, and you jump off that foot, land simultaneously, as soon as one of those feet is lifted and returned to those, the floor, you've traveled. So you cannot do a step through legally when you injure dribble with one foot on the floor. So maybe, maybe if coaches can give it a try and try to teach their player to delay the end of their dribble a little bit longer, to where they can have both feet off the floor when they end and terminate their dribble, and they land simultaneously on both feet, I promise you, it's, it's, you're going to get a lot less traveling violations. Called. You shouldn't get any, and that's on us if you do. That's, that's, such, the ref's fault. that's such good stuff. And as you mentioned with that, as a player, you can cover more ground, and you can still get in many options to change direction with – essentially minimal dribbles. You could catch the basketball on the wing. You could drive it to the elbow with one dribble. You could get into a jump stop and you've, you've finished your dribble with both feet off the ground, but you've covered a lot of ground with that jump stop. So now you've gone from the three-point line to one dribble near the elbow into your jump stop, and now you're already in the paint. And you've, you've jump stopped and landed on two feet. Now I can get into my pivot and I step through and I'm just laying it, laying it in, nice and easy layup covering that much ground, getting the ability to change direction off of it with just those small tweaks of the, the fundamental. And you mentioned the step back. And I think that some players are getting really good at it, under, understanding the, the rules of yeah. if, if you don't elevate the ball, right, you don't put your hand underneath the ball, you can take as many steps as you want because there is no – you're still dribbling. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and so if, if I'm driving, as long as it doesn't come to rest in your hand, as long as it doesn't come to rest in your hand, you can, you still have your dribble. And by the basketball rule fundamental, you cannot travel during a dribble. So. Yeah. You can take as many steps as you want in between bounces of, of that basketball. Right. So if yeah. I'm, if I'm driving to the elbow and I decide to, I'm going to get into a step back. And so instead of me pounding the dribble straight up and down and then picking up and stepping back, which I see too many players practice, if we can get in and when we're getting to our step back, we're actually pushing the ball backwards with us. Now I can take, multiple steps going backward. I don't have to worry about, okay, the, the timing, the jump stops, I'm going to get called for, for try. I can take multiple steps. And then if I haven't put my hand underneath the basketball and that defender jumps out at me because they think I'm, I'm going to light it from three, I still have my drill. No, I just you still have your go, back, go back again. It's essentially, so to, to put it very simply for the, the coaches out there, like we're all familiar with what a back dribble is right? You dribble backwards. So if we can attack forward with our body, but then essentially use a back dribble to bounce back away from the defense instead of a step back. When we think step back, we generally think pick up and shoot. Well, yes. if we can delay the, the pick up and shoot decision while still keeping the live dribble, now we're in what I like to call dribble triple threat. We can still, we can still play the game, which is, which, which is where we're doing damage, right? Which is, you just described it way better than I did when I said directional dribble. That's exactly what I was trying to say. You know, so a back dribble like that, that's a directional dribble. You're dribbling, in, you're, you're dribbling with a purpose. You're sending that ball in the direction that you want it to go. Um, so your directional dribble, your back dribble, for instance, like you said, you explained it perfectly, man. Uh, back dribble in the direction you're going, it gives you a little extra time to get that foot off the floor, 
and end your dribble with both feet and terminate your dribble with both feet off the floor. It could Perfect. be a back dribble. It could be a, a pullback dribble, which is usually you've, you've done that, but you've switched hands, switched hands while, while you're doing right. it. Um, hey, you're doing your job. I'm doing mine. Right? Exactly. <laughs> so, so yeah, listen, as, as, much, as much criticism as he gets, uh, some rightfully so, in my opinion, James Harden is one of the best in the business at knowing the rules and pushing those rules to the absolute limit in his training. Um, he travels a lot. All right. There's sometimes he travels and he gets called for it. There's sometimes that he travels and he doesn't, but he knows how to push it to the limit. And if you can, if you're a, a good, or if you're a good player, I'll, I'll say it this way. It, it's not like you said, reiterate is it's not that if you're not cheating, you're not trying type thing, but it's, if you do not try to take advantage of every single rule, you're missing out. All right. Push it to the limit. Make our job as officials harder from a standpoint of rules, right? You know, I'm not talking about conduct or anything like that. Don't make our jobs harder by yelling at each other and, you know, being unsporting. But um, from a rule standpoint, especially the traveling violation, know our, if, now that you know my red flag on traveling, my red flag is if I see that ball elevated with your hand, I already know you've ended your dribble, right? If you elevate that ball with your hand on the – a little bit underneath the ball. I know that automatically goes off in my mind. If they stagger land, it's a, a traveling violation. So it makes my job much easier when you give me those tail signs, right? When it's basically you telling me that's my red flag. You just ended your dribble, staggered landing. We're going the other way, you know, so avoid those kind of red flags for officials. The ones that make it easier on us, make it harder on us by directional dribbles, that back dribble, um, make it harder on us by keeping your hand on top or the side of the ball, you know, and not letting that dribble end like you said. I mean, you brought up a great point, which is a common misconception. I think uh, you, when you think about Giannis, I think it was a couple years ago or maybe a year ago, there was a time where he pushed a, a – uh, it was a push and chase, I think, and he kind of pushed the dribble out and then took like three steps before he got back to the ball and, you know, put and, and continued his dribble. And then he, he dribbled that once and then didn't end his dribble at all. He didn't put his hand underneath the ball or have it come to rest or end it with two hands and took like three more steps. I mean, dude took like one dribble to cover like the whole entire court. And everybody's like, how is that not a travel? Well, you literally, there's no limit to the amount of steps. As you mentioned, there's no limit to the amount of steps that you can take during a dribble, right? As long as that dribble is live, you can take as many steps as you can get away with without committing a turnover. You know what I mean? Yeah, we um, see really and, good and the players turnover. do that off the finish and off of, you know, variations of a step-back jump shot. I mean, we one of, one of our last camps in, in August, we were working on creating separation for a pass or a shot or, or a, a second drive where we were at one of the slots and we were driving kind of towards the nail. And then we were, we were using an angled back dribble to – essentially step back with with a live dribble all the way to the other slot and so we'd only taken one dribble chip but we'd gone from the left slot to the nail at the free throw line all the way back to the right slot so now we've 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 gone to literally three different spots we've changed directions but we've only used one dribble so now we're we're efficient right i can i can get my hand underneath the basketball and and pull it or i can just keep my hand on top of the side just keep the live dribble and and continue to play. Um, it's a small tweak, but I mean, I, I think players can just 
gain benefit from understanding the rules just that little bit, which is where I want to go with, we just got a couple questions left, but nice. trying to take advantage of, again, the rules. And I may or may not have done this as a player, and I don't know essentially if it was a travel or not, but we've talked about the step through. So let's, let's say, um, quick interruption before we get back to the show. First, thanks for listening to the Coach's Edge podcast. And if you found our instruction beneficial on the podcast, we'd love to share with you the Coach's Edge website and how that can help coaches be more efficient, save time as they continue to develop and build a successful program. So if you're interested in learning more about the Coach's Edge website, breaking down player development, athletic development, strategy, X's and O's, and so much more. You can contact us at Coach's Edge One on Twitter or at contact at KramerBasketball.com. Thanks again. Back to the show. Of any of the situations, I have my pivot, say my right foot is my pivot foot, and okay. I've, I've driven to the basket, and let's say um, I've picked it up around the, the right elbow, and so I've, with your, I've, with your I've right stopped foot the right foot and then left foot. And so my right foot is my pivot foot. And let's say I shot, I shot fake. Okay. Defense goes for it. And instead of stepping through with my left foot and then going into my layup, you've already talked about, I can pick my right foot up. It's not a, not a travel. Right. We've, we've touched base on that. Now I may have done this. I don't know if it's legal or not. Okay. So okay. I, I'm just curious now because I don't know if I was traveling or not. I got away with it. So I guess it wasn't a travel that bad. But being able to stop, shot fake, and then instead of stepping, so now I'm stepping, my left foot's on the floor, I lift and take the shot. What I've done, Chip, is jumped a little bit off my right foot. So I may have gained another six inches or so, slightly. Like, I don't want to exaggerate it too much. But basically, so instead of stepping whatever my stride length is forward with my left foot, I've very somewhat secretly tried to jump a little bit, and then my left foot hits the floor, and then I jump again, and I make my layup. What are we, what are we talking about there? All right, we're, t- we're going back to rule 444.3, all right? After coming to a stop and establishing a pivot foot, all right? That's a pretty good descriptor of what you just described, right? So... You've already come to a stop. You've established your pivot foot as your right foot, all right? You said you've stepped with your left foot, um, and then you wanted to go to shot, and you have your left foot come off the ground, or what did so you say? As my, as my left foot is coming off the ground to go towards the basket, instead of simply stepping and putting that left foot down and then jumping off my left foot for the layup, I'm a little bit jumping off of my back foot, which is my right foot. And then my left foot hits the ground, the one that I was able to move. And then I jump up and take the shot. Gotcha. After coming to a stop and establishing a pivot foot, all right, your right foot, if the player jumps, this is Article B, or excuse me, Article 3B, if a player jumps, neither foot may be returned to the floor before the ball is released on a pass or a try for goal. It's pretty clear that neither foot, if that, if that left foot is off the floor, and you jump off that right foot, and that left foot comes back down to the floor, all right? So neither foot, if you jump, neither foot can, that can be returned to the floor before the release of a pass or a trial. And you got away with that, right? Now I'm feeling pretty good. Feeling pretty good about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Again, if, 
in the game. I mean, there's 10 players out on the court. There's, you know, three referees, sometimes only two. There's a ton of feet, especially in the paint. And, you know, a player like me, it was, it was just like, oh, can I get, you know, for, for me, I was 6'2", and playing against guys, a lot of times they were six five, six six. I wasn't the most athletic guy compared yep. to them. So I was like, if I can shot fake, and instead of stepping through, I can get another few inches if I just subtly, it looks like a step, but I'm kind of actually jumping. Both feet yep. are off the floor for a split second, and then my left foot hits, and then I score. Hey, you know, that was a – that was something I did. I, I was like, I don't know. Nobody's ever told me I couldn't do it. <laughs> they never said I could either. I don't know. I'm yeah. just going to do it and see what happens. Um, that's kind of fun of the game too, I think. Absolutely. When it comes to uh, traveling, as we finish up the, the podcast, there's two questions I want to ask. This was a really good question we had from one of our Twitter followers was, on a blob or a slob play, does the player inbounding the ball need to maintain a pivot foot? Because you, we, he's heard different responses from other officials. What can we do there regarding the pivot foot and the lift? First of all, I have to say, yikes. And I, I apologize to the coach that asked this question uh, that a, a ref, if a ref has told you that you have to maintain a pivot foot um, during a throw in, then they haven't read NFHS basketball rules fundamentals number five. We mentioned number six earlier. All right, we talked about number six was it's not possible for a player to travel during a dribble. The one right before that, basketball rule fundamental number five, neither the dribble nor traveling rule applies during the jump ball, throw in, or free throw. So let me, let me put it to you this way. So traveling rule doesn't apply. The pivot foot doesn't apply. You do not have to keep a pivot foot um, on the floor during a dribble because the dri or during a throw in, excuse me, because there is no, there's no pivot, right? You can't have a travel or anything like that during a throw in, a jump ball or a free throw. So no, you do not need a pivot foot. Um, you do though on the throw in, um, in that space that's allotted, it can be as deep as you want, right? But it's three feet wide. One of your feet have to stay in or above the three feet of space that you have from side to side, right? So from side to side, you have three feet of space. That's your designated spot throw in, all right? You have a designated spot throw in. As soon as the official makes the, or puts the ball at the disposal of the, the thrower for the throw in, they have three feet of space to their, or three feet of space from the right side to the left side, right? That one of your feet has to stay within that three feet of space, either on the floor or above it. So to be able to throw the pass in, that's what you have to do. But there is no pivot rule or traveling rule or anything like that involved in the uh, throw in. I'm so glad we asked this question because out of all the questions that we've asked, this is the one that has just blown my mind the most. So you're, <laughs> you're telling me because I've, I've seen, I've been to games in this. So correct me if I'm wrong. I'm inbounding the ball on the sideline. Ref hands me the ball. And I'm it's a designated spot, yeah. I'm moving my feet up and down, but I'm not covering covering ground. That's not a travel. That's not illegal. No, I can as do long that. You stay in that three feet of space right there that you're given. You can actually go as far back as you want to. I can even go backwards. Yeah. If I'm on the baseline and there's a seven foot guy standing in front of me, I can take multiple steps going backward to get a better passing angle. Yep. 
This yep. is phenomenal. This is phenomenal. I never, stuff. <laughs> I never knew that. I never knew that. And I've seen, man, I've I've seen that get called for a travel though. That's the that's the crazy thing. But, um, but so, but but how? But how? Because you cannot travel during a throw-in. Like, what are they going to? They, I mean, they could call a throw-in violation if they don't know the rule, right? But you can't call a travel in that situation. A well, I know. Ending. I know yeah. the coach who asked this, he's from Michigan, which is where I'm, I'm from. And I've also had it explained to me of like, essentially when you're inbounding the ball, you have a pivot. So you can't, you know, pick up that pivot foot and then put it down again. It's a, you can travel while you're out of bounds essentially. So that's, yep. I like, I'm, I'm glad he asked that question. <laughs> and um, you know, I'm trying to find the, ex- I'm trying to find the exact rule to read it to you so you can have the correct terminology. Maybe let's come back to that one and I'll, uh, and I'll have the exact rule for you. Perfect. If you have another one. There's one thing that we didn't talk about that I specifically know a coach who I know personally commented <laughs> on one of your, your, your Twitter comments, and we didn't mention it. And I, I think this, okay. this is really an, an important one. And the comment it was regarding one of the step-throughs that we've talked about, and the coach commented, and he said, that's a good move in girls' basketball, but you can't do it in men's basketball. All right, I'm trying to remember the exact play. It was a step through, as we've talked about, like a shot fake. Let's say the right foot is the pivot foot, step through with the left foot, jump off the left foot, the right foot came up. And the comment was literally, that's a great move in girls basketball. If it's in boys basketball, you need to make sure you're jumping off of both feet at the same time instead of the one foot. I remember that one. Is that the one that I actually shared or I retweeted and said, um, I'll give 50, I'll, 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 uh, Venmo somebody $50 if they can find a single difference in the men's and women, men's and women's college rules. I think it was along that, <laughs> that same thread. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so anyway, yeah, there's, I understand what he was trying to get at. Right. So maybe it's called differently. Um, or, or people feel like it's called differently, but I'll challenge anybody if you want to look at the NCAA men's traveling rule, which is rule nine, five under violations and penalties. All right. And you look at the NCAA women's traveling rule, which is also rule nine, five under violations and penalties. If you read that entire rule, article by article, every single letter, word, comma, period, colon, semicolon is exactly the same men's to women's. So, you can have an opinion about whether or not it's called in one and not called in the other, but you cannot say by rule that it's legal in the women's game, but it's not legal in the men's game or vice versa. All right. Oh, so that, that hopefully, hopefully that can clear it up is, is, and some, sometimes we have directives that we focus on, right? Sometimes the NCAA men's might have a different directive than NCAA women's. Um, and, and I'm not talking about a different directive as far as a rule goes, but things that they want us to focus on um, because I know one of them was the step back um, travels on a step back or travels in the perimeter. It w- really wanted us to focus on seeing when the dribble ends and make sure that they didn't lift and return and pivot foot to the floor. Um, and they want us to be on top of those. That was a directive for us. So we may have different directives, but the traveling rule is literally identical word for word between NCAA men's and NCAA women's rule books. Awesome. And I, I don't mean to throw anybody under the bus. Cause honestly, I've, I've uh, been oh, confused yeah. about that too, where 
Um, I've had coaches say, yeah, this is, you know, we teach all of our girls this specific move, but you know, the boys can't do it. Then I'm confused and I'm like, okay, I better make sure I don't teach the boys, the boys that. And, and so I think it's just another thing that I wanted to make sure that we talked about. I'd forgotten. I remembered it at the end. Um, you can do the, you can do the same pro hop spin move, step through men's or women's game. It's a great game. And, uh, you know, use the rules to your advantage. Hey, Steve, I got to say one more thing, man. Thank you so much for having me on. This has been awesome. I know it's gone really long, but hopefully it's been helpful. As promised, I found the actual rule um, for that throw-in situation. Do you mind if I share it real quick? Please as do. Promised? Please do. All right, yeah. cool. So, so we're going to be back to our good friend rule number four in the NFHS rule book. All right. So we're going to look at section 42, which is throw-in or throw, uh, thrower designated spot. Um, let's go down to Article 6, which reads, the designated throw-in spot is three feet wide with no depth limitation and is established and signaled by the official prior to putting the ball at the thrower's disposal. Note, the thrower must keep one foot on or over the designated spot until the ball is released. The traveling and dribbling rules are not in effect for a throw-in. I feel like that's pretty cut and dry. So it said one foot on a like a spot, like it needs to be down in the same spot or does it mean in that area? So, so remember, remember the designated spot by article six, by rule, the designated throw-in spot is three feet wide. So that's the spot. It doesn't have to be the point of contact with the floor, like a pivot foot. And remember a pivot foot doesn't exist during a throw-in. So, cause you can't have a travel or anything like that. So the designated spot throw-in is three feet wide with no depth limitation, like we talked about. Okay and is established and signaled by the official prior to putting the ball at the thrower's disposal. Note, the thrower must keep one foot on or over the designated spot, that three feet wide, until the ball is released. So the thrower must keep one foot on or over the designated spot till the ball is released. Traveling and dribbling rules are not in effect for a throw-in. Wow. So, so not only is that pretty clear, but I think it gives even more leeway to – an inbounder than we even thought before. So that's last really thing I have, last thing I have to say is the same thing. I started off your podcast last year episode last time saying uh, the last time I was with you is one of the things is coaches read the rule book, <laughs> use it to your advantage. There may be plenty of things just like this in there that you did not know was legal. All right. I know a lot of you are, and listen, there's no shame in admitting that you're not a rules junkie. All right. But I mean, don't, there's no shame in admitting you don't know a rule either. All right. Sometimes, somehow, or sometimes I feel like coaches feel like, you know, they lose their basketball card if they, you know, admit that they don't know something about the game. Right. I can admit to you right now, there is a ton of stuff, you know, Steve, and all the coaches listening about coaching that I'll never know unless I take the time to apply myself. And likewise, there may be some things that coaches do not know about the rules that I may know. All right. So with that being said, take the time to read the rule book, understand, digest the rule book, and use these rules as your competitive advantage to try to make your team more successful than they already are. Perfect. Last, this is kind of the last question that's a, kind of an all-encompassing question, but what's the most misunderstood aspect of traveling, if we haven't covered it already, maybe we have, or something you want to emphasize as we finish the podcast? Yeah, I think I mean I won't spend much time on it because I think you've already we've already covered a few. We've co- we've covered switching the pivot foot. We've covered after a legal jump stop, the misconception that you have to jump off both feet to shoot. 
that's false. The switching the pivot foot, when you lift your pivot foot while the other foot's in contact with the floor, that's not a switching of the pivot, that's not a violation. So that's a misconception. Um, we've talked about those two and those two are, are two of the most prevalent. Um, if you can think of any other ones, you know, absolutely bring them up to me, but you, you already mentioned the up and down to um, stuff like that. But as far as misinterpreted parts of the traveling rule, I feel like we've done a pretty good job of explaining um, most of the traveling rule tonight, if not all of it. In fact, yeah, we did cover all of it because you talked about uh, falling to the floor in possession of the ball while holding the ball. And we talked about, you know, getting possession on the floor or when you're already on the floor. So yeah, we covered, we covered every bit of the traveling rule tonight and even some that that's not involved in the traveling rule. Uh, there you go. We just have to, we have to piece together like dribble and uh, which is rule 415 or pivot, which is rule 433 or the basketball fundamental number six, just to recap that you cannot travel during a dribble um, or basketball rule fundamental five, where, you know, traveling doesn't exist for a throw in, you know what I mean? So the traveling rule or the dribble rule does not apply on a throw in um, jump ball or free throw. So we've covered a, we cut a lot of ground tonight. Um, and uh, I think, uh, I think that's about it as far as that goes, right? We covered, I wanted to make sure we covered out of bounds. We covered, physically being on the floor we've covered uh attacking or, or being off the dribble and, and we've also touched on when those feet move and, and you're simply on the perimeter and, and you've caught it so those are like the four big areas that i want to make sure we we touch base on which was really good and and through that you've talked about you know euro step spin move some of these different moves that you know jump stop or pro hop where we're changing direction really covering ground landing on two feet so that's all, all great stuff Props to all of you guys that are still listening, because this is, I mean, this is hoop junkie type stuff. I absolutely <laughs> love it. I could keep talking about all this stuff all day. It's just, you know, any little advantage that we can get and talk about the game, I love. But Chip, tell us a little bit more about how we can connect with you and the other things that you have going on. You got, you're making a, a lot of moves out there. It's great stuff for those that um, can can be following you and they can really expand their knowledge of the game. Absolutely. Um, the Where I'm most active is on Twitter. And if you'd like to follow me on Twitter for a lot of uh, basketball rules content, um, videos posted, case plays posted, um, we do a lot of that. I do a lot of that stuff. And you can follow me on Twitter. The handle is at official chip C. Official chip and C are capitalized. Um, so at official chip C, C-H-I-P, Chip. So official Chip C. You can follow me there. Um, I'm in the process right now of doing a series on Twitter um, called NFA, excuse me, NFA, NFHS <laughs> Case Play Quiz. And so I'm posting during the weekdays, I'm trying to post uh, one case play per day straight from the NFHS case book. Um, that it's an interesting way for you to get involved, test your rules knowledge, um, if you want to get on there, I have a poll that is attached to every case play where I allow you, to, you could, you're allowed to vote and tell me if, you know, that was a legal play or a violation or a legal or a foul, or, you know, there's all different types of polls depending on the case play. You can vote there. And then a day later, 24 hours later, when the poll ends, I'll post the results of that poll and the official ruling from NFHS on that specific case play. So you can see all the references, the rule references and the case play reference um, and the case play itself to see why that was that is supposed to be called the way it's called and the rules 
that support it. So um, that's something I'm doing now, but I'm also very active on commenting on other people's posts. If you guys ever need anything, my DMs are open on Twitter. Um, so if you need, if I have a question about a rule or anything like that, I'm always happy to help me. And that's what I'm here for. And I especially appreciate the connection that I have with coaches through our coaches clinics at United Basketball Clinics. Um, we also have me and Matt Smith, our founder and co-owner, our um, we have the United Basketball and Leadership podcast um, that we also have. So please feel free to check that out. On uh, and Steve's been a guest on that before, and we appreciate him being on that. So that is on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, all those major um, podcast platforms. So that's the United Basketball and Leadership podcast. But really, if you connect with me on Twitter, you'll be able to find out any information about me. I share a lot of stuff on there. I'm very active. And I'll be happy to help you guys out in any way I can. That's what I'm here for is try to strengthen that relationship between coaches and officials. Definitely a great follow on on Twitter. Highly recommend it in the podcast as well. I mean, it's one of the best basketball podcasts in the game. No doubt about awesome, it. Awesome, man. Thank um, you so much. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I want to thank you for your time, enlightening all of our listeners on what they can and can't do and any misunderstood rules regarding that topic. So, Thanks again to all you guys who are listening and get after it today. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I think it's so important that as coaches, we not only try to dig into learning more about player development, strategy, X's and O's, culture and leadership, but really try to gain a better understanding of how the game is officiated, what is truly in the rule book, gaining a better understanding of the terminology used within the rulebook so that our communication can be at a higher level when we're talking to officials during the game. These are really important episodes for us to have on the Coach's Edge podcast. And so I can't thank Chip Clark enough for the time uh, that he spent with us breaking down and teaching the game. Thanks again to all of you that are listening. If you enjoyed it, be sure to subscribe, leave a rating, a positive review. That goes a really long way. Don't forget, get after today.